Hello friends, welcome to or welcome back to a Runner's Life podcast. In this episode I speak with Corey Joyner, he's an incredible runner based in the US and we catch up following his recent Chicago Marathon. We talk about some of the fun aspects of running but we also dive into some of the challenges that he's overcome and we discuss the lessons that he's learned from running and life and how they transition towards each other. But I want to say a big thank you to the patrons that support the show. I want to say thank you to everyone that listens and shares this episode. I want to say thank you to the sponsors of the podcast Tracksmith. They've just recently released the Turkey Trot collection and this features apparel for kids. But if you want to have your kids or, you know, your nieces or nephews in the same running kit as you, it's a perfect way to go about it. So I'm actually training for Valencia at the moment. So one of my favourite bits of kit is the child sunglasses. It's Jack Smith's first pair of sunglasses. But the thing I like about it, it's got a really classic look. So you can wear it on a run or in a race, but you can also wear it for food or drinks afterwards without it looking like sunglasses that I design for running or cycling, you know, with the wraparound look, the massive visors. I've gone for the wine colorway. I really like that. It's a deep red with four different colorways and yeah, they're all really nice tones. So check it out on the Tracksmith website. But yeah, with that being said, let's head to the conversation with Corey. Corey, welcome to a Runner's Life podcast. How are you doing? Feeling good, man. Post-race on that PR cloud nine. You've run a great race in Chicago, and I've been a big fan of the way you go about things and your training. As you can tell from the messages that I send you, especially mid-race as well. So uh, I'm a big fan, man, and it's great to see you doing so well. Thank you. So the first question I've got is, the podcast is called A Runner's Life. What does A Runner's Life mean to you? Yeah, A Runner's Life to me, like what I found in running... When running found me, I thought it was just going to be a one and done thing, training for a half marathon, but it just checks so many boxes of life. Like there's, you know, health, there's community, there's goals that you're chasing after, there's purpose, and it's taking me all over the world. So to me, just just like Elliot Kachogi, running is life. <laughs> when you said about running is taking you all over the world, what has that added to you as a person? To me, it's, it's added that there's, you know, so much more you can see. Like when you're running in a different place and you're seeing it on foot, running the streets, taking different trails, it just opens your eyes to a another perspective of it, right? So, for instance, like we're running in Chicago for this race and just seeing Chicago, the different neighborhoods, and seeing it that way from the streets and running, not in a car, or not, you know, flying over it, but you're just running the streets and seeing all that is truly incredible to see. And it just makes lifelong memory when you do that. And also you share that with other people as well. One thing I've seen on your tops is you've got the Running Empire. Can you talk a little bit about that community and what that means to you? Yeah, Running Empire, when I um, first really got going in social media as far as sharing the runs and sharing uh, races and everything, one of uh, my friends back home, in Lakeland, he was a part of Runner, Running Empire. And so with him, I asked him what it was all about. And, you know, as an ambassador, um, how has it been for me? It was like, yeah, man, it's true. Like a family, you know, he looks out for us as um, ambassadors with uh, our race gear and with products. And in turn, just with our social media following, we promote it, we share it, and we encourage one another. So all the ambassadors were all pretty close and just encourage each other uh, through our running journeys. Okay, it's great to hear. I've got a couple of quick fire questions. Can you tell us what's your favorite marathon training meal? 
favorite marathon training meal. I, I'm literally on a seafood diet, which I just eat whatever I want, pretty much. <laughs> I know that sounds terrible, but literally that's that's just what I do. I try to, you know, get my my vegetables and my carbs. I just I pretty much just eat what I need. <laughs> I'm thinking like, you know, you've got like shrimps, you got lobster, you got rice, you got pasta, you got veg. Yeah, I, I was I would definitely say some Chinese food. I love Chinese food or, or like right before a race, just obviously some pasta to get carbs, but okay, those are, those are go-tos for sure. No, that makes sense. I think for me, it's just like you, you're getting stuck into that routine, don't you? You know, you've got a couple of certain meals that you, you stick to. So you know, I can totally relate to that. And can you talk about what's your favorite post-marathon meal? Favorite post-marathon meal? Um, I think... The pizza was great um, in Chicago. I definitely enjoyed the pizza. Another post-race meal, just a nice burger, you know? Just get a nice hamburger with some fries. You can't go wrong with that. When you talk about pizza, you're talking about the deep dish pizza. Yeah, so I, I had so I had deep dish pizza, which was solid. But I also went to a, a, a place in Wrigley with a pizza by the slice. And they had some pulled pork pizza, and then they had like a a barbecue onion ring pizza and both of those. Oh man. I, I actually like those slices better than the deep dish. <laughs> yeah. That sounds really good. And just funny when you said about this, the deep dish being solid, I was like, yeah, literally it feels like you take a couple bites and it just, it hits your stomach and you're just like, I wasn't quite ready for that. <laughs> <laughs> and you, you just can't finish the rest of it. But yeah, those slices sounded really good. really good. And moving into music. I know you don't listen to music uh, during the race, and I'm pretty much the same, but I listen to music in my training. What's your favorite song on your Easy Day Runs? Yeah, favorite favorite song on Easy Day Runs? I, I, I'll play like a lot of the, the current rap and uh, hip-hop. So on my Spotify playlist, I just have it automatically download the latest songs. So like just this last week before flying out, uh, I was listening to the, the latest YG album, and so his album was pretty good. So I was just bumping that <laughs> all week leading up to the race. It's funny, like you, you got some good stuff in there. You got to be mindful as well. If it's like too too hard, for example, if I get something like Rage Against Machine, Balls on Parade, you know, this is too heavy for like. Yeah, that's, that's that's not that's not the one. That's not the one. Like if I'm on even slower, like going on recovery day, and I need to like keep it chill, I'll go to some R and B. So I listen to some Sir or some Daniel Caesar. They have two of my favorite albums of all time. So I, I'll listen to them as I'm just getting in the mouth, nice and super slow. It's funny to talk about R&B because I was listening to some Joe the other day. It's got a, such a great back catalogue to it. I was like, go for YouTube. You think you forget all these tunes that you think, oh my gosh, back in the day, you know? Oh yeah, de definitely. Like one of my favorite things to do when I was um, training back home, I would go to, we had like this cross country area. And so it was about 10 miles um, of just going through the, through the trail and the path. And so uh, I would listen to, the Michael Jackson albums going through there and just vibe out. And it feels like you're in a different world <laughs> as you're, as you're running through there than being in, in the city. So I'll just listen to Michael Jackson, his albums and a lot of the old school tracks and just being a whole, whole different world, just in my own zone out there. So what's your favorite Michael Jackson song? Oh man, it's, it's so many, it's so many. <laughs> uh, I think for me, uh, my favorite song will be, Let's go with Man in the Mirror. Man in the Mirror would okay. be probably top for me. I think that's a classic one because like as soon as you hear that, you you you've automatically like start clicking your fingers, don't you? And just start like oh yeah. <laughs> I mean, 
the shoulders go and you're into it. So yeah. <laughs> and we talked about best song for Easy Run. And we talked a little bit about MJ as well. Can you talk about your best song for like a workout? Like what's a song that like gets you going, gets you up for it? Yeah, when it's time to put in the work and I need some music. Yeah, I'm listening to some Moneybag Yo, some Young Dolph, uh, some Gucci Mane. <laughs> I need the trap music beats going, so I'm like fired up. <laughs> yeah, I hear you, man. I hear you. I think the thing I want to talk to you about, particularly in this conversation, was just like where you are right now. So we were having a joke before because you recently ran Houston Marathon in January, and that's your first sub three. I was making a joke about, mm. you know, when you do your first one, you think, I hope that's not a fluke, so I can hope to do it again. Did you have that sort of feeling at all in the build-up towards Chicago? Yeah, I, I definitely had that feeling, because it was like, okay, yeah, we got it done in Houston. I mean, it's just such a major goal to accomplish. A lot of, you know, that market sub three, especially qualifying for Boston, and that market is just such a lofty goal, especially when you start out and you're so far away. But then after you do it, it's like, oh yeah, I got to do it again. So I know I, I can solidify that I actually did it and it's not a fluke. Yeah, I can totally agree with that. And just talking about the idea of sub three or looking at any other times where you can talk about Boston qualifiers or you know, times for 5Ks or 10Ks or half marathons, whatever they may be for whoever's listening. But I think generally we take other people's goals and then we make them our own. When you ran Houston, mm-hmm. obviously you got sub three. How did you go from taking it from being someone else's goal to your goal than to like making it your own goal more personal when you went back for Chicago training? I mean, how did you keep that motivation there? Going into Houston, so the story behind Houston was actually I was supposed to run the half marathon in Houston. Uh, what ended up happening was because my race in Indianapolis, uh, me and my coach, we felt like we were in sub three shape and the race did not go as planned. Half of the race I was battling cramps and uh, was still able to PR, but I, I ran a 315 in Indianapolis. So after the race, we debriefed and he was like, yeah, you're aerobically, you're there, you're fine. If it was just the cramps, then Houston is a flat course and you should think about going from the half and transferring that to the full. And then we'll train for these eight next weeks. Uh, we don't have to really build fitness. We just need to train your legs to sustain um, the pace and the last 10K of the race going to Houston. I think you'll be just fine. So after like a couple of days thinking about it, I was like, yeah, let's do it. Um, it's a fast course, so might as well take the shot and go try it. And so for me, just making that goal my own, it was just, you know, a big accomplishment. It's just something that at one point I felt was pretty much impossible to run that pace for 26.2 miles. Uh, I remember doing that pace in a seven minute interval. So I beat the time on the clock to a mile and then it beeped after. I was like, man, people hold this pace <laughs> for an entire marathon. And which at the time it was insane. But I also remember just telling myself, like, you know, if you can do it for one mile, you can do it for 26. Um, people are doing it every day. And that's something that I guess we stick with it. It's something that I'll be able to do. Also covering the idea of mindset. When did it click for you? Were there any other points during your training that you thought this could happen? Are you saying in the training leading up to the first sub three or just leading up to this? Oh, to the first race? one, sorry, yeah. Oh yeah, the first one. Okay. Um, I think just it was just the building of it. Uh just I was getting good momentum with my running, being consistent with it, um, PRing in multiple different uh distances. And so just going through that process and just continuing to get better, just doing the work day in, day out. Um, I hired my coach to go sub three. 
uh, when I did. I hired him right after uh, running the 318 at Space Coast. And so I knew the work he's done with athletes in, in, town, in our town and community. So I hired him because I was like, this guy can get me to sub three. So I think at this point I can, I can do it. I just need that extra push, that extra accountability and someone that has, you know, not only done great things in the sport, but has helped other runners in the community do great things uh, just out of the gate, just trusting the process. So I would say definitely at that point after Space Coast and hire him, I knew that it was in the realm of possibility for me. That makes sense. And I know previously you spoke about uh, making that change in your training um, you knew that you had the base, but then you did some things more specific. I know you can't take us on a week by week, but like, what specific things sort of stick out in your mind that you did differently to help you achieve that time? So one of the things that did stick out was just doing a little bit more longer work at um, tempo and at uh, threshold. Uh, so for, for my coach, what we ended up doing to make that change from any to uh, Houston was we did a little bit more longer long runs uh, and just working on pace at on tire legs. So we would do a midweek long run to go with the, the Saturday long run. And then um, just working on the threshold miles too for the midweek workout. Uh, so that's going a little bit faster than marathon pace, pretty much redlining, but it was just to, to build that lactate resistance so that once it did get late in the race for that last 10 K uh, my legs were able to hold up and power through to get there. Pretty much during marathon builds, we're not we're not working like the the really hard VO2 max speed stuff, right? So we're not working like on 400, 800, or even like 200s. The fastest I will go in the block will be probably just on strides, either mid-run or after a run. But once we're deep into the marathon training, everything is just working on extending the speed around pace, right? So we have to make sure that you know, because I mean, you're not touching 5k speed much in a marathon, you know, it's, it's building up to run efficiently at that goal pace you want to run at. So it doesn't make sense for us to go like at 200s or 400 speed during the block because we're going 26 miles, not, you know, running a 5k, running a track race. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So let's go back to the Houston Marathon. So you ran 256 there. Can you talk about any specific lessons that you took from Houston that you took into Chicago? So for Houston, what I took away from that race was that you have to be on point with a lot of things, right? To, to have a, a really good day. Like your nutrition needs to be on point. Your pacing needs to be on point. And then, you know, just your training leading up to the race. Um, for me, with, with that race, it, it once it happened, it gave me all the confidence in the world, like, I did it. I could definitely go back out there and do it again. Going into Chicago, I, I was feeling good about um, just going sub three. Um, a lot of what happened between Houston and up to this point, I had took a lot of more time off than I would have normally liked. <laughs> so it was uh, a summer of getting back into shape. Like, okay, let me get him back into shape so I can at least sub three. And then it turned into, okay, so the wheels are starting to come back. So let me see how I can take my training and see if this possibility for a PR or possibly for this random number goal I like to target to, to go after. You're going to go through it in a marathon. <laughs> so for, for Houston, it, it got to the point, you know, once you get to mile 20, definitely was feeling the legs. and But 
energy wise, I, I felt good. Like I felt good. I was like, all right, I'm, I'm feeling good. We're 10 K away from, from finishing this and, and going sub three. And then you just got to play mind games with yourself. So a lot of things I did in Houston to, to get me through on that last stretch was, um, dedicated some miles and was giving myself the mantra, like you changed the race to the full. This is what you came here for. Like go out there and get it done. So each mile just kept clicking off and, uh, just, just get to the finish line. You get to the finish line, you hold strong and you'll be, you'll be just fine. And then there was some things in the race that happened too, where, uh, one of my biggest issue has been cramps in, in distance racing. So, for me, like on that course, I dropped my salt tablet at least three times. And two, I had to go turn around and go pick it back up uh, to get it because I already knew how important it was for me to to get that salt into my system because I know if I don't, I'll have more of a, a chance of cramping. And so it was just, you know, getting to that point. And then uh, fast forwarding to this past weekend in Chicago, it got it got difficult a little bit because I did feel cramps coming on, but I was I was just a lot more confident in my ability to adjust to it and to just adjust my my running gait and my my form so that uh, once I relax, I'll be able to hold it off and keep pace that I'll be able to go out there and actually PR uh, for that day. I really like how you talked about how you, it, although the challenge was there, you obviously had some process in place, but it didn't phase you as much. Do you think that came through just more through experience or through the training or what do you sort of attach that to? I would attach it to just more experience, just more experience from having those things happen on race day. The experience that got me through Indianapolis to to push through and still PR was that I, I've been through cramps before. I knew how I could alleviate the pain a little bit to give me some more steps, give me some more <laughs> miles before it cramped again. So I was able to hobble and push through that and going into these past two races where I was able to sub three is just you're you're able to take all those experiences and and just be a little bit more calmer about it and to be locked in pacing and the things that you have to do to you know come out with that time you you set out to do I agree I think definitely by doing it it gives you that degree of confidence but then obviously getting to the race can throw challenges yeah I mean a lot of times I, I go I go out with A, B, and C goals. For Chicago, the A goal was sub 250. The A plus goal, if I had a really great day, everything went absolutely perfect, sub 250 was like the A goal. But I, I didn't put that as like the hang-up goal for me, right? I didn't want it to be like, oh, man, if I got off pace, I'll, I'm just feeling terrible about myself or anything. So I think to, to that point, it's not you don't want to get hung up uh, on the on those goals like that because it can mentally distract you from having a great race still and so with the race the next goal was to pr and just going in i felt i had a really great shot i thought i was running it very well i was really relaxed for this race and what helped a lot was i ran a half marathon in august and i was still coming back still wondering about where my fitness was for for the race so I told my coach, I had, and also I came off a, couple, a 5K to 10K where I didn't do so hot. And so I went out way too hard in those races. So I went into that half and I was like, coach, I'm going to just run it smooth and relax and by feel and we'll see what happens. And so by doing that in that race, like I just listened to my body. I was clicking some miles. Boom. You know, what? I'm feeling good. Let's pick it up. 
clicking some more miles. Like, all right, cool. Let's we can pick it up or stay a little steady. But at this point, I'm in a position now to even PR my half. And I'm not that wasn't even the goal today to go out there and PR this this half marathon. So going out there and doing that, it just helped me feel a lot more relaxed. Like you don't have to put so much pressure on ourselves to go out there for these races and and in Chicago. Like for me, right before the race, I just wanted to go out there, less pressure on myself, just enjoy every moment, enjoy the crowd, enjoy everything about the race. And by by doing that, it just felt great to go out there and run. Like the miles felt good, especially early on. The miles felt like a like a breeze just running with with everyone. And I mean, at some point in the race, it's gonna get hard. It gets hard for everybody because that's just the nature of the beast in the marathon. But you know, when you get to the, to that point, you know, you're prepared, you're experienced and you're feeling good about, about where you are. So for me, that's how I was approaching the race with far as like goal setting. And then when it got hard, you know, got to get gritty and got gritty and, and, and got it done and loved every moment of it. Because like you say, at the beginning, it feels good. It feels easy, but it, this happens to everyone, regardless of how fast you run it. Mm-hmm. There's a point where it goes, oh, do I, this really hurts. I should stop. Do I really want to be here? And how did you, for Chicago, because it's more recent, but how did you kind of work through that to be like, actually, let me just try to work towards being what the best goal is for the day or achieving the best result as opposed to being like, do you know what, I, I could just cruise and, and just hang back? I think I think you have to assess where you are. Like, so you get that far into the race, right? And you assess like, okay, the pace I'm going, can I hold this pace for however many miles are left? If the answer is yes, then I'm like, all right, we got to hold this pace, but we're going to take it one mile at a time. If it's a really good day, <laughs> you assess like, oh, I can actually increase the pace. I can do more. I can I can go out there. Let's, let's see how fast we can go. But then there's moments where it's going to be like, oh, this really hurts. I don't think I'm going to make it. So for me, in, in, in that moment, you just, you know, dial it back just a little bit, dial it back, try to relax. Like I, one of the things I will do, especially when I'm racing really hard, I will take a good three to five deep breaths and like shake it out to like relax myself and to get my breathing under control because that's pretty much the game, right? You want to be relaxed and under control throughout the process. And the minute you're not under control, like your breathing's out of whack, your body goes into that panic and then things, bad things happen, cramps or you'll blow up, you'll hit the wall. And so that's not a a place you want to be but just late you just want to take it mile by mile assess even if you have to assess every mile every half mile just you know just keep checking in with yourself and then giving yourself permission to to go forward it's going to be over soon right like the race isn't going to last forever so just keep going a little bit further and see just see how far your body can go i really like that when you talked about when it gets really tough you go back to that breath work you give yourself some time to regather and to filter out like what is actually happening and what is actually true Mm -hmm. and then you kind of then make a better decision as opposed to a heightened decision you know and absolutely because you're really burning through so much energy anyways you you really do like one of the things that uh, I I was doing it a little bit during my last couple builds but for this one like at least four or five days a week I was doing yoga right after uh, completing my runs. And that's just to calm down the nervous system and to uh, just relax my body because, you know, when it does get hard, you want to try to be as relaxed as possible going through those different segments. And for me, it's just finding that center of peace so I can relax and continue to perform 
at that level. And I, for me, I think it's just paid off a lot and just being able to be calm in the face of chaos, which the chaos for us in a marathon is just, you may be getting hit with potential cramps or fatigue or tiredness, or maybe another injury that has happened over the, over the run. So I think that's helps out a lot to be able to calm your state of being while still trying to run at race pace. I think that translates into other areas of your life as well. It's been able to give yourself that space just to, you know, let things wash over you first before you kind of jump in and, and respond. Oh yeah, most definitely. That's really cool though, to hear about the yoga as well. To be honest. I, I know quite a few other runners do it. I've heard more about it in the terms of just the physical benefits, but obviously listening to the, the mental benefits there is actually really empowering to hear as well. Yeah, I, I... The, the physical benefits are great. I think more so for me is, is definitely the, the mental side and just being relaxed and calm. So for me, that's, that's where I get the most benefit uh, from yoga post runs. So I know we've spoken a little bit generally about Chicago Marathon. So let's go back to Chicago Marathon. You ran 252.54. Great time. You know, you sub three with, with, with more than enough change, to be honest. You had enough time to like have a shower, you know, have a dance and welcome <laughs> another sub three runners in as well. <laughs> Can you talk us through like that race and like just the build up and, you know, and what it felt like to, to achieve that? Because when I looked at your splits, I'm not saying it's easy, but you look consistent, you look strong throughout, which is really great to see. Yeah. So the build up, it, it went really well. Once we start the 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 true bill for Chicago everything was was flowing well we had early on a couple track sessions that uh, felt really good and then getting into the longer threshold work starting to to really nail it and hit those paces everything about the bill went good late in the bill I did miss a couple runs so typically I don't like to miss runs or make adjustments but things just happened to where I missed my last two long runs and then even the last marathon pace workout did not go as well as I would have liked. So there was a couple of things that did happen late in the training cycle that, that gave me a, an eyebrow to raise like, Hmm, okay. So we still go after this goal. But one thing that, you know, another experience, like one thing, you know, like the marathon isn't that one workout that, you know, you're going into the race with, right. It's the entirety of your, your training cycle. So all the miles that you did in, in August, all the miles that you did in September, all of that fitness um, that you've accumulated is going with you on race day. So I just hung my hat on that, knowing that I had done plenty of work to go out here and to have a great race. And then so race day gets here. And I mean, Chicago, this is my first world major. So Chicago was absolutely amazing being in the city and then just the energy out there for the race like i had some you know you come in with expectations the world made it's gonna be crowds out there it's gonna be amazing but when we crossed that bridge and through the tunnel and then came up on the bridge where the crowds were it hit me so hard that like oh this is gonna be a different race this is i'm in runner's euphoria i am i am on cloud nine seeing all these people and i'm just pumping up the crowd i'm just trying to high five, just so excited. Like adrenaline was on 10 <laughs> out there. But and, I mean, in the back of my head too, I know I can't get too excited. I'll go out there and run like 5K pace or, or something like that. But I, it was just, oh man, I'll never forget that moment. I'll never forget coming out that total and then seeing the crowd and then just the sea of people 
like majority of the way um, going out there and the support and then seeing some people on course that I knew and that I met was was pretty amazing. And so for that race, I just wanted to just run relax a lot of it because GPS is really wonky when you go running behind the buildings and going through tunnels. So I saw um, a post um, on A to Z run, just, you know, run manual and just run by feel. And so for a lot of it, that's exactly what I did. I ran a lot by feel. I would just check it slightly just to make sure I'm not too far off or too far sped up uh, if it was accurate, because sometimes it would be like way inaccurate. And then a couple of the times I hit my lap for the mile splits. And then so I could see like where I was. So after the first two miles, I was right where I needed to be as far as pacing. I was like, oh, I feel good here. Let's keep the energy here. And there's other people. So there's so many people out there. There's other people running my pace around me. So it wasn't hard to, you know, stay on track of where my pacing was. And so I just was soaking in like the entire experience. And I tried to soak it in so much. I, it's still a blur. <laughs> the race is still a blur in a lot of places. Uh, but there were just so many great moments out there going through the different parts of the city and just seeing everybody and seeing some people that were from back home or I knew from Instagram or people that recognized me from Instagram. It's always cool moments in a race when that happens. And just getting to, you know, the later stages of the race, like the first half, it just flew by. I was like, yeah, let's do 13.1 again <laughs> once I got to the halfway mark. And then um, you get late into the race for me. I started to feel the, you know, the tingling sensation of, of a possible cramp. And so I just made sure I just try to adjust and relax, make sure my nutrition was on point going into the, the later stages of the race. And once you get to like the last, you know, the last four miles, it was just like, okay, we don't have far to go. We've done this a, a hundred times in training, running these, these miles. So just keep pushing, get to the next mile, get to the next mile. And then Chicago does a really good job at the end. So say mile, uh, two miles left, and then it'll be like last mile, 800, 400. And then you close out right there. So for me, like getting that close out, running majority of it by feel and just overcoming the potential of a cramp. I, I was, oh man, I was in heaven crossing that finish. So I had a great time crossing. I'm just, I'm grateful that the, the race went very well. So I feel like it was like the full marathon experience for me. And it, it just checked off so many boxes and just blew away expectations. It sounds like a, a great experience. And I know you spoke earlier in the conversation that you dropped your, your salt tabs as well. So at least that didn't derail you from having a good race. Like you said, even though you've got to stop, pick it up. Yeah, oh, so, yeah. I, I, so I I learned from Houston not to do that. So I, I had a better system in place for Chicago because I was using like a, in Houston, I was using like a, um, what is it called? Like the plastic bag, that the Ziploc bag. So I used a small Ziploc bag. And because I was wearing gloves, it's really hard to take, the Ziploc bag to open it <laughs> to get them out. So I had another little pouch I was able to use for, for my salt tablets this time. And so uh, it made it so much easier just to pop open a pouch and grab one out and um, take the uh, take the salt tablets. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, cool. I think one thing that I was a bit mindful of, and I, I don't always get the balance right, and I'm not sure I'd like to get your advice on this as well, is that at the end of the race, you know, it's so easy for our phones to come out and get the medals and then record everything that's happening. Then you see your friends and then you see other people. And we never really give ourselves the time to stop and just think about the training block, think about the race and just be grateful. 
for what just happens, experiences that we've had. Not that you need to relive it in detail, but you almost skip that experience and you just go into another part of the race. Is that something that you try to do in terms of sort of giving yourself that time to process it? Or if not, when you cross that finish line, did you have a moment to reflect on something that you'd learned about yourself during that race? I'm I'm answer both. So crossing the finish line, you know, I, I was just just amazed. Like I I was blown away by by Chicago and the the race itself. I, a lot of people crossing the finish line. They were just like, whoo. They were just like tired. I'm crossing the finish line. Yeah, we just did that. I'm so fired up <laughs> crossing the finish line. I got I, and then the camera people were out there, so I'm taking pictures. Let's fired up. I'm gonna post those in a, in another day or so here. You'll you'll see. And so I was just like, tur- I was on 10 and some people were just dying post-race. <laughs> so I was just cracking up and uh, I'm talking to the volunteers like, yeah, we did put my, and then you know how you get the little, the little um, sheet thing to keep you warm. So I was like, yeah, put the cape on, put the cape on. <laughs> <laughs> so I, 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 had a, I just was just in the moment because they make you walk like a mile too to get to the post-race parties. I was just in the moment enjoying the walk because it's great to actually walk walk off the race because that's so much um, pounding your legs take throughout the race. Uh, so I was just enjoying the walk back as well and then just having a chance to reflect. I reflect more on the race probably later that day or the next day. You know, you do. I got a chance to see some more people that met for the first time. I met the guys from Detroit, 313 guys. Been wanting to meet them for a while. Tommy runs and a lot of other people that ran the race that, you know, I follow and like, man, they're killing it, man. Inspiration to myself and to a lot of other people. So uh, it was always really cool to to do that post-race. And then, of course, find some food. <laughs> Definitely had to find some food post-race. But the recaps helped me, you know, gather my thoughts on on the race as well. And so like to today, I posted just the pre-race thoughts and then I'll go into uh, more so of the race, probably by like every 10K or so and thought process of what I can remember and just recollect on what truly the race meant and what's the takeaways and what the next step and the next goal will be. And what was one of those big takeaways for you? I think the biggest takeaway and what I'm really going, I'm excited to do, especially for training for Boston is to run a lot more by feel and to do a lot of training runs by feel and like for easy runs, I was running more so um, by feel, but like the threshold miles, try to run that by feel. What does this feel like when I'm running at this level and not looking at my watch to make sure I'm staying on the prescribed paces. So if I can just run and, and this is my effort level. So what would that look like? And it probably will be a little bit fast. My coach was like, you're probably going to run faster than what the prescribed paces, but I, I really want to, lock in running a little bit more by feel so that it i think to it doing that takes it takes some pressure off as well because you know where your body is as far as your 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 zone of effort level yeah absolutely i know probably some people might listen to this conversation and might think we've got a little bit deep about talking about sub threes and the race itself but you're also like a really funny dude as well like can you talk a little bit about that race where you had like the Jericho tennis spray in it and stuff? <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so it happened with that. Uh, so I, I still had after Houston, I still had LA marathon to do. And so post race, I was like, yeah, I'm not racing Los Angeles. 
and it's a hilly course as well. Like I'm really, I'm like, I'm not racing it. So I'm like, we'll just go out there and have fun. And so the bright idea came into my head. Like, you know, like, you know what? Let me get the Jerry curl. And then I'll be out there as easy C. And then my friends like, well, I got the spray bottle. So we go fill up the spray bottle with some water. So we go go out there with the Jerry curl spray bottle, gold chain, and just go out there and just party. And so, and then we were just coming up with just some random shenanigans to do. So two of my best friends, they were, were there. And so we came up with playing dice, like at mile, like at the six mile mark, then we were Millie rocking on any block, and they were jump roping at Mount Swing. <laughs> oh my lord! <laughs> it, I I literally laughed so hard just thinking back to that. But it it was just so fun because it was just a race. I, there was zero time goal. Like I was just running. I, I obviously I didn't want to be out there forever <laughs> running the race, but. Uh, it was just zero time go. Just go out there, enjoy the city of Los Angeles. At the time, I wasn't living here in SoCal. Uh, I was still going through the uh, interview process for for my job to be out here, and so I was like, "Yeah, this might be the preview of my future life coming soon." And, and it was because <laughs> now I'm living here. But yeah, it, it was it was just so enjoyable. I highly recommend not racing every marathon, just going out there and having fun, just for the love of running. And man, it'll, it'll, it'll change your perspective. <laughs> Absolutely. And I'd advise anyone to have a look at your Instagram and look at that post because you can tell you're enjoying it in that photo. And, and the joy <laughs> comes across because then I'm laughing at it. I'm laughing with you as opposed to at you. Do you know what I mean? I just feel I just, I just, like it's one of those things that you wish you were there at the same time. It looks like you're having a proper ball. <laughs> you're in character. I was just like, damn, I wish I was there as well. <laughs> yeah, it, it, man, it, it, it was so... But and then when when you're having fun like that, it just it doesn't the miles don't seem as hard, right? I mean, I mm. even in that race I, I cramped <laughs> and you know, later in the race, like it it doesn't matter how you're approaching the race. If you're racing it, if you're easy running it, if you're party racing it, the last later stage of the race, there's some to be a point where, you know, it still gets hard, but I was just enjoying it and just enjoying the city and the people and seeing the different run clubs and talking with them throughout the race and meeting up with my friends to do all that stuff. So it was just so enjoyable for that race. And it, it was just a good time. Yeah, it looked like it. And I think the next part of the conversation I want to move towards is your process of like managing and working through challenging moments. And anyone that's running, you know, we're going to have lots of highs, we're going to have lots of lows, probably more lows and highs. And it's the same in life, really. And it's about how do we learn from those setbacks how do we learn and turn them around so i don't like the word failure but it's more this part of the conversation is about like how do we learn from those stumbling blocks those quote unquote failures and the first um, topic that you provided for the conversation was talking about racing failure looking at miami marathon and the indie monumental and talking about shifting your uh, racing mindset and taking the positives from that so can you talk a little bit about that please yeah, so for failure, it's just being okay with it first. Like, it's going to happen. Uh, you know, we, sometimes we think that everything has to be perfect. Everything has to line up in this order for, you know, to obtain this result. But at the end of the day, like, you're going to fail. And the people who have the most success has failed the most <laughs> in that. And so with uh, just in regards to, to running and racing, and we, you see this after every race because it's going to happen, right? And it's happened to me during races where you have your goal set out for that race and then the race just does not go your way. 
and you know you are like in shape to achieve that goal. And then so it turns into, oh, it wasn't the day out there. Uh, it was a great race, but I, I didn't get this. This happened. And and then even sometimes I get even more negative than that. And like after it happened for me doing that, I'm just like, okay, how can we spin this? Because anything can happen in 26.2 or even any race, right? And so it's it's just trying to take the positive out of it because it's going to be another race. And there's going to be another race where you get another crack at it. Just in the moment, sometimes, yeah, it does suck. Or even in the actual moment of the race, it really sucks. Like you get a crap and you blow your tire and it's just like, yeah, my goal time is totally out the window. But, you know, how can you make the most out of this situation? How can you make the most to win this day on a positive note? So you just have to to make the best and then make those adjustments. Like the failures, when they do come, like it's a teaching moment so that the next time the situation arises that you're more equipped to handle that situation and to do better, maybe avoiding the situation altogether. So for Indy, if going back to racing, I did not use salt tablets in Indianapolis. And I was like, you better not ever forget those salt tablets again when you come out here for a marathon because you know you're going to cramp and you know you need those. So for marathons, I, I have those handy on deck, ready to go. I think is one of the most important things for me in the race, just because I know I'm susceptible to cramps. But you you learn from it. And it's those moments that you're going to, you know, it's character building. It's going to build your character. It's going to give you a new perspective on racing. And it's also another moment to challenge you to be a better version of you. Absolutely. And there's some great gems in there. And one thing I want to go back on, and if you could share one tip for the listeners and something you just said there, please. When you've had a race that's not gone the way that you wanted to or you met the expectations that you you wanted to achieve how do you reframe that after the marathon like what things do you do so for me after a race didn't go the way i wanted so i'll, I'll go back to to miami because I, I was so excited to go down there run miami i went to undergrad at the university of miami so i was excited to go down there and run through downtown south beach coconut grove area by the campus a little bit. So I was fired up. I was like, I'm going to go down here and sub four. And then, you know, you run the race and it just went horribly wrong after the 10K, like cramps and issue. And then finally my tire blowing late in the race. And it was just like, wow, I came all the way down here excited. My, and then my, my parents were at the race. I was just like, wow, this just totally sucks. Like I came out here and then not even close to, to hitting my, my goal and to what I came to accomplish today. So it's it's pretty defeating when that happens. But, you know, looking back at it and then assessing, it's like marathons are hard. And, you know, trying to run specific times, you have to put in the work. You're going to have to make adjustments and things got to go your way as well sometimes on race day. And then looking back at it, it was a 70 degree start time temp in Miami. So this is when I was learning that merit that temperatures matter a lot for marathon racing and finding, you know, hopefully getting good weather for, for a race. And then on top of that, just learning more about training and how can I adjust my training to be better. And right after that race, I went right into really building my aerobic engine and doing a lot more easier miles and heart rate training so that you know, when it's time to really turn it up and get more at a pace that I want to run, 
you know, I, I have that aerobic capacity to do it. So it, that failure was actually the, you know, the springboard to really get me to that next level moving forward. Yeah, I like that you say, you know, you have to really take a, a really honest look at yourself and sometimes it's not always that comfortable. And thank you for sharing that one tip. The second point you brought up was about your job. You felt like you were in a, a dead end sort of space and had a lot of anxiety and felt like a lot of just troubles around that. Can you talk a little bit about that, please? Yeah, so 2021 was a hard year. Like, we, it was so much that happened in 2021 leading into actually 2022. And so for me, like once the pandemic hit, my original plan was actually to try to come out to Los Angeles and find work after getting my graduate degree. But then the pandemic hit. And so I had a, a steady job, but it wasn't a job I'm like going to do forever. But I was able, you know, I was able to get money in my pocket. I was able to have you know, to pay my bills and to afford me to do all the racing and traveling. So I just stuck with it. But uh, going into, you know, getting later into 2021, just everything just seemed to, you know, go crashing down. The pressure, you know, continued to build like, oh, like, you know, you got a master's degree and you're working at this job. You're not even in your field or you're not making this much money. And that pressure was compiling on. And on top of that pressure, other areas in my life was also collapsing. So we had a lot of deaths in the family. Running Indianapolis, I was dealing with the death of my aunt and running that race and and some other relatives that passed away that year. And then going past that race into the end of the year, we had a lot of things going on at home. And so it was just so much that I felt like maybe I, I dropped the ball in a lot of places and what can I do to like change it? But just being in that the anxiety showed up and it was just like a really terrible place to be. Like it was really, really terrible. I, I would definitely say it was a little depression as well. And just trying to figure out like, where is the next step and what, and when will this season in my life be over? <laughs> you know, a better season is coming. So luckily for me around the spring, that's when things really started to turn around. And, you know, was able to move forward with some things, you know, build, rebuild some relationships and uh, obviously got a new job, which is amazing, which allowed me to move from the East Coast to the West Coast of the United States. But feeling like failure and that aspect of life, it, it, you know, it's going to happen. So I, it, I really got a lot more comfortable knowing that, yeah, you're going to fail, especially when you take risk, but it's you're there for a reason. Like you're there to learn from it, you're there to grow from it. And you're there to use that moment to take you to the next stepping stone in your life where those lessons that you learned from that failure is going to come into play. No, thank you for sharing that. And I know some definitely painful moments that you talked about passing relatives and not being in the role that you wanted, but just being in a role to, to get by. You know, yeah. there's a lot of uncertainty there and you're not quite sure whether you're going to be in that space and you need to go back. So many moving parts that you're never really on safe ground. How did you kind of find an anchor at any point during this time? I think for me, just conversation with uh, some of my close friends. I uh, was able to, to, to have those conversations and to work through it, you know, just vent and then try to put plans into place to, you know, just help get out <laughs> of uh, of that space and to you know a lot of my page like people know me like I'm positive like if you're gonna get positive information from you're gonna get positive 
worse. And, you know, when I'm not positive, it's like, oh, there's something's hella wrong <laughs> because, you know, I'm not looking at the, the bright side of things. So uh, for me, it was just going through those conversations and, you know, just really having to the conversations with myself and what, you know, what I wanted things to look like and what I needed to change, you know, moving forward. And, you know, it's, it's still a journey. Like this moment in this season right now, my life is absolutely incredible. And so for me, it's learning through that failure and, and taking this moment, having the courage, like the next moment is coming. Right. And that could be a really phenomenal season or it could be like a setback season, but knowing and, you know, encouraged that I was able to get through that prior season that um, everything at the end of the day will be okay. I like the way you refer to it as a season. You know that it's not permanent, that it is temporary. Mm-hmm. And I can imagine that experience you've had there translates into your running and from running back into life and vice versa as well. Oh, yeah, definitely. Like it, because you look back, listen to a lot of um, motivational speakers and and like podcasts, you know, you know, they talk about like you go back to that moment where you thought that your whole world was crashing down, but look, you're still here today, right? You're still, you're still alive. You're still kicking it. You still have more life in front of you. So um, just, you know, taking, taking that to heart and knowing that even better days, better days are ahead of you. So just something that I'm definitely taking to heart and I encourage anybody to, to know that and take that to heart, that your best days are always ahead of you. I love that message. And also one thing I also want to shout out as well, you said before is one of the previous questions was that you mentioned about the importance of just being able to take the load off your shoulders and pass it to your friends and family and being able to get their advice rather than, especially as men, sometimes we feel like we've got to hold everything together. And I think it's really important. You said that's really want to mm-hmm. acknowledge that. Like sometimes it's so important just to share that weight and, you know, you know, makes things so much easier. Yeah. 100%. Cause a lot of time and I'm, bit guilty of, of that just holding it in and not sharing it and not communicating that and it's and it's so hard even like when I mentioned you know having issues back home family issues like me and my brother we had it out and it was just so much you know being held in till it came to a conversation like an emotional conversation at one point to you know it's like some of this stuff can be avoided if we just spoke and talked more you know, then it coming to a head on explosion at that one moment when you get there. Thank you for sharing that with us as well. So we are now at like mile 26 in the marathon and we're almost at the finish line. One question I want to ask you is what advice would you give to your younger self if you could go back in time? At mile 26 and go back in time? Yeah. No, I mean, I mean, I use mile 26 metaphorically, like we're towards the, we're almost at the finish line of the marathon, but not literally. If you're at mile 26 and you saw yourself, what would you tell yourself? Don't I, mean? <laughs> I was literally thinking at mile 26, like you got 0.2 left, like handle that, like get that done. <laughs> that yeah. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just back to, to my younger self, the, the advice I would, I would give myself is to, you know, not be afraid to take take more risk. Uh, I definitely had my fair share in my twenties of you know trying to take risks and different 
moves I wanted to make in, in life, but you know, not being afraid to put yourself out there more. You know, as I get older, I find more, the more I put myself out there more, the more I do take risk, more calculated risk, like the better things come out and the better things and happier I am. So, you know, I, I, it's, it's a true saying, you know, the best things in your life are on the other side of your fear. So you just got to go out there and take the leap, take the jump. Absolutely. Love that bit of advice. How can people follow you online? What's your sort of social media handles? Yeah. So you can follow me on Instagram at CJ the runner. I post my running shenanigans. You'll see the Jerry curl. You'll see the highs of the PRs or even the failures of the race. I, I typically share, share both because, you know, at the end of the day, life isn't a fair to everything's not going to go our way. But, you know, when you do share that information, somebody else needed to hear it. You know, I was, I'm thankful for all the runners before me that shared their failures in running and their wins and that helped inspire me. And so that's why I continue to do it on, on social media as well. No, that makes a lot of sense. I think yeah, we definitely all learn from each other and I think it's a great way to do that. Corey, it's been such a pleasure talking to you. Thank you for being a guest on the Runner's Life podcast. Thank you, Marcus. Uh, this is one of my absolute favorite podcasts. I know we mentioned before we started recording, but your podcast and some of the guests that you've had on this podcast has like really helped me in my running take that to the next level. And so I'm really honored to be on this podcast following the names that you've had on here. And I'm so excited to, to hear it once, once it's released. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. And uh, it's a pleasure talking to you. I think because I obviously record back home here, you, you never really understand the impact that sometimes it has. So uh, hearing that really does mean a lot. So, you know, thank you for that. Hey, definitely, Mark. I, once again, I appreciate you. Thank you for listening to this episode of A Runner's Life podcast. If you've enjoyed this conversation, please do subscribe to be notified of new episodes. If something resonates with you, please let me know and share online. Also, you could do me a massive favor by leaving your review on the podcast platform which you selected as it helps the podcast grow. Your support helps make this podcast possible. If you've got any questions, please do get in touch with me on my Instagram page at Marcus underscore runs. Your time is valuable. Thank you again for sharing your time with me.